Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 103 just for a moment. And we are going to continue in our, our series of Psalms, Strength for Everyday Living. And we are camped out today in Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. We're going to kind of do part two here today, and, and, and um, each week we're going to build upon the great benefits that we have as believers. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless your holy name. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Remember last week we talked for a few minutes about the benefits that God has for us. It's a benefit package. It's gifts that are available to us as believers. Now watch this just for a moment. You cannot tap into the benefits that are available to you unless you are a worshiper. Thank you. People who worship see things that some people don't see. When you live a life of worship and you tell your soul, soul, bless the Lord. We're not interested in how we feel. We're not interested in what the paper says or what the media says or what's going on. We choose to tap into a power, and it's called worship. It's called praise. Praise gives you the ability to see things that many people can't see. That's why David, the worshiper, said, praise the Lord. When times are tough, when you're, when you're discouraged, when you're fearful, when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're lost, Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. When you, as a believer, live a life of worship, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see of his goodness. Are you all with me this morning? The more you choose to make God big and make God great, your issues get smaller as God gets bigger. And worshipers can tap into the benefits that God has because God reveals himself to people that draw near to him. And one of the first benefits that is available for us as believers found in Psalm 103 is that God erases our errors. He forgives our sins. He cleanses our iniquities. He declares, although we are guilty, you are free. What a great story we, we, we looked at last, last Sunday in, in John chapter 8 of the, the woman caught in adultery. Probably not an appropriate story for Family Sunday, but uh, she was guilty. She was condemned. The religious leaders with hearts filled with anger and hands filled with stones, brought her out to the town square and threw it on Jesus in this very awkward moment and said, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? I love what Jesus did. We talked about last week. He knelt down in the sand and with his finger wrote a word 
wrote a message. The Bible doesn't say what he wrote in the sand, but I know what he wrote in the sand because his DNA was the same as God the Father. And in Deuteronomy, God wrote the law with his finger. So, of course, like father, like son. He's going to declare a new day. He's going to declare today that we are no longer under the law, but we are under the law of grace. And with his finger, Jesus penned the words in the sand. And as everyone with their hearts filled with anger and judgment and their hands filled with stones, they dropped their stones one by one because they were confronted with the beautiful, amazing grace that is available to all of us today. That would have been a good time to say amen right there. That was a Memorial Day amen right there. And this beautiful woman who just a few minutes prior was looking into the, the face of someone who was using her was now looking into the eyes of someone who would release her from shame and guilt and sin. How ironic. Two men different motivations, and yet the one that liberated her when she looked into his eyes, he said to her, not what can you do for me, here's what I can do for you. Where are your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Grace is amazing. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I can't help but not imagine but that maybe for the next few weeks, few months, few years, that this woman who had been liberated could have spent the rest of her days following the one who liberates us and, and, and frees us from our sin and our bondage and our weaknesses and erases our errors. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins. And I'm delighted today on Memorial Day weekend that I can remind you as believers and remind us as faithful followers of Christ that we have been forgiven. We're not going to get much through our notes today, but in your notes I, I list out for you some of the qualities that, that uh, our, our accuser uses against us. He's a liar. He's a thief. He condemns. And I'm just reminded here this morning. Are you all with me today? He is a liar. He's the father of all lies. There is no truth in him. And what I find happening in many believers is that many times we believe the lies of the enemy more than we believe the truth of the one who liberates us. And I think we need to be reminded on this weekend that we are free and he is a liar and we're not going to listen to the lies of the enemy. We are going to tap into the truth that is made available through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. So you'll see that list of all his attributes and all his characteristics. But I want to talk about real quickly here today, in the next few moments, is five warning signs that you are living condemned. Now the reality is you are free. The reality is you are liberated, but many times believers live a life that is condemned because they believe the lies of the enemy, they don't 
embrace the truth that God has for us, and, and, and they live an underperforming life because they're not living in liberty and freedom. So let me give you real quickly five warning signs that could indicate that you are living a life that's condemned. And Jesus says to you today, I do not condemn you. That word there means to pronounce judgment. Christ is not here to pronounce judgment on you. He's here to, today to declare freedom and liberty over you so you don't have to live condemned. Are you all still with me? Amen. Number one, five warning signs that you are living a condemned life. First one, here it is. You have an obsession with your past. You are more focused on your past than you are your present and your future. Many believers are preoccupied with what took place years ago, your past. You can never get free. You can never uh, uh, move past the memories and the, and the heartache and the shame that comes with those memories. You're obsessed with the past. There's a scripture in your notes, Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters of Pinecastle, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind me and I strain for what is ahead. See, I like that. Non-condemned people don't camp out in the past. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but how many of you are here today and you have done at least one thing that you know is wrong and, and, and you know it is sin and you know that, can I, yeah, all of us have. I love what Corey Tin Boone says. She says, when Christ comes into your life and forgives you, he hangs up a sign that says, no fishing. No fishing allowed. Now, I don't like that because I like fishing. But I do like the fact that, that, that God throws your sin, your weakness, your, your, your mistakes, your errors, and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, and he declares, no more fishing. One of the signs that you are living a condemned life is that you are camping out. You are living in the past. And God wants you to live in the now. Everyone say that word now. I looked that word up and I found some interesting scriptures that talk about now. It's not in your notes. And I wrote it just in my Bible. I wrote my notes. Live in the now. Everyone say now. Romans chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I like that. I know what you did in the past. I know what I've done in the past. I know our mistakes. I know our errors. I know our, our weaknesses. But God says, Pine Castle, I want you to live in the now. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you're living in the now, you are not dwelling on the past. You're not camping out in the past. You are living in the present, and you are declaring what God says in Romans chapter 8, there now is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Live in the now. Can I get an amen? 2 Corinthians 3.17. Here's another now scripture. I love it. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, freedom. Now. You can tap into that now. If you're being haunted by the past, 
haunted by your mistakes, haunted by the fact that you were caught and you're now brought out to town square, you can just tap into that power and say, God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there is no condemnation to those who are in, are, are in Christ Jesus. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I declare liberty over my life today. And I'm not going to live in condemnation. Living in the now. Here's one more scripture. I'll give this to you. And poor the guys in the back are going crazy because I, I didn't give these scriptures here today. We don't have them on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Now you are a people of God. Now you have received mercy. So we can live in the now because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Warning sign number two. If you're still with me, let me hear an amen. Here's one that's interesting. When you're living a condemned life, you are constantly questioning truth. You're questioning truth. You hear the truth of God's word, and your response is, watch this, yeah, but. You ever met anybody who says yeah, but a lot? I've got a couple friends. They are great yeah, butters. I call them yeah, yeah, butters. You will come up with something, a truth or a revelation or a comment. Watch this. And their response is, yeah, but. And then they give a rebuttal of why what you're saying is not true. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are yeah, butters. We ought to get t-shirts that say, I'm a yeah, butter. Because when you're living a condemned life, you hear truth, but because of the shame that you've been engraved in, your response is, that sounds really good, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what took place. You don't know how bad it was. And you come up with all these reasons why you can't live in freedom. This is what I'm praying for this, this week at Pinecastle, that we, as followers of Christ, We'll get rid of the phrase, yeah, but. And we would simply accept the truth. It is too good to be true sometimes. It is amazing. God's grace is incredible. And when you hear truth, your response should be, yes. <laughs> I don't fully understand it. I don't fully deserve it. But I accept the truth that I'm hearing God, thank you for liberating me. Thank you for no longer condemning me. Thank you for setting me free. I receive the truth of God's word and walk in freedom. Second warning sign that you are living a condemned life is you continually question truth. Remember in the garden, what did the enemy do? To Adam and Eve, did God say, is that really what he meant? Does that really apply to you? And the reality is, God's truth can set us free if we will simply receive it by faith. Number three. I hope you're getting this today. Third reason that you live a condemned life is you have difficulty forgiving yourself. You have difficulty forgiving yourself. 
I found this to be really interesting. Because when you're trapped into this trap here, number, no, number three, it's interesting. You have the ability to forgive other people, but you can't forgive yourself. I find that very interesting. You can tap into the grace of God for other people, but when it comes to you, you can't personally apply it to your life. If you can't forgive yourself, you're living a condemned life, and God wants you to live in liberty and freedom. He has forgiven all of your sins. You can live in freedom today. Can I get an amen? amen? Number four. Fourth sign that you're living a condemned life is that you are judgmental and critical of others. It's kind of the flip side of this. You're judgmental and you're critical of other people. Look in Matthew chapter 7 in your notes. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. People that are living a condemned life are judgmental of other people. You know, I found that the older I get, the less energy I have of worrying about other people. I'm like, my plate is full. My cup runneth over. I don't have energy to focus on everybody else. God, just give me the grace to help, help me just with the issues I've got and, 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 and the problems I have. And the, I don't have time to become critical of other people. See, but sometimes people that are living a condemned life, they, watch this, they thrive on judging other people. Because they're condemned, they want to condemn everybody else around them and judge everybody else around them. If I were you, I would put blinders on and say, God, help me not to look at everybody else. Because, you know, you have the ability, like I do, to find faults better in other people than you do yourself. All right? You see it in your wife. You see it in your kids. You see it in your neighbors. You see it in your boss, but yet you don't see it in yourself. People that are condemned are constantly critical and judgmental of other people. And when you live a life of liberty and freedom, your focus is yourself. I believe we can change the world, but, I mean, we need to start with ourselves and just say, God, help me to focus on me, and and you're going to take care of everybody else. I'm not going to live a life that's being critical and, and condemning other people. I want to focus on myself and get myself in right line with you so I can be a servant of you. And that's what happens sometimes when you live a life of condemnation. You become judgmental and critical of other people. I hope you don't do that today. Number five, quickly. You dwell in shame and unworthiness. You dwell in it. Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his love for us in this While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. But there's some people that are living a life of condemnation. You dwell in your shame. Now, when I was studying this and just praying over this and looking over this, this is the word that I got. You wallow in your shame. Now, wallow is not in the Bible. But there's Christians that wallow. And I got an image of like a a pig. It just, just, just is laying there and content 
and you're looking at them, you're like, pig, like, you're dirty, you're a mess, you're living in the dirt, and, and like, you can be free. There's a shower, there's water, there's a lake that's available for you to get, and there's some people that like to wallow in their shame. And they're laying in it. And they don't realize that just a few feet away, there's, there's, there's freedom, there's liberty, there's water. You don't have to wallow in your shame. Now watch this. Guilt is feeling bad about what you did. Shame is how you feel about yourself. And there's people that are wallowing in their shame. And they're condemned. You ever met anyone that wallows in shame? It's dirty. It's not fun. There's nothing really attractive about wallowing in shame. But that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants you just to wallow. Just stay where you are. And God says, I want to liberate you. I want to bring you freedom. I want to I illustrate this real quick. So, um, let's see. Poor David. David already knows. He <laughs> How about David and Bruce? Can we do that, Bruce and David? All right, come on up here, guys. All right, David, I'm going to have you stand over to my right over there. And Bruce, I'm going to have you stay way over there to, to the left here. Everybody say wallow. wallow. And this is how you wallow. I've, I've, got a, I've got a rope here with a beautiful noose. And David, I'm going to have you come all the way over here. And I'm going to bless you with a noose. Just not hang on to that right there, David. Just there you go. Beautiful. I was told my grandmother was a Sunday school teacher in First Assembly of God, Niagara Falls, for 45 years. My grandfather was the church treasurer for 45 years. In one church, volunteer for 45 years. I heard this after my grandmother passed away, that she was really good when she would teach children she was really good at teaching the kids, and she used a lot of illustration and visuals. Isn't that amazing? I didn't hear that until a few years ago. That's why I probably do a lot of these crazy visuals. <laughs> the crazy thing is that you won't remember a scripture I said, but you'll remember these illustrations. <laughs> so thank you, Grandma. Bruce, I'm going to do the same thing to you. And there's your... Noose, i got to be careful how I say that. And go, go right over there by the cross, and then I'm just going to. All right. Now watch this. It's like fear and faith. You pull or attract the thing you focus on. Fear and faith are both powers, and they are both, you are able to bring them into your life by focusing on them. 
Now, you can live a life of fear. You can live a life of faith. Right? If, if, if there's a mom here today, she says, oh, I, I, I'm afraid something's going to happen to my kids. You say that enough, and you could be attracting the very thing that you are repelling because you're focusing on it. Faith is the same way. That's why God says live by faith. you got to focus on what you're believing for to bring it into your life. Now watch this. People that live a condemned life, they wallow in shame. Now David is shame, sorry David, and Bruce, and, and he's by the cross, so that's a really good thing. Bruce is worthiness. Not because of your good works, because of Christ. It's by grace. It's Christ making you worthy. And whichever you focus on, that is what you are going to bring into your life. Are you all with me? Now, people that live condemned lives, they focus on the past. They focus on judging other people. They focus on their shame instead of focusing on the Christ and the cross and the worthiness that Christ has done for us and made us. They focus on this, and this is what happens. Watch this. I'm not good enough. Look what I did. Look at my sin. Look how bad I am. Look how many people I hurt. I'll never be forgiven. I'll never walk in freedom. I'm a bad person and I'm wallowing in my shame. Watch this. Because you have focused on it so much, you have given energy to the shame and you've brought the shame into your life. Are y'all with me? That's wallowing in the shame. And we all have a lot to be forgiven for. We all have a, a lot of things we regret. We have a lot of mistakes and sins and failures. And you don't focus on those because when you focus on them, you attract them. And you begin to wallow. And you begin to enjoy it. And you begin to think that this is normal. It's not normal. You're not created to wallow in the mud. Like the pigs do. I know you're not perfect. I know you don't have, have it all together. I know you kicked a cat. But you should not focus on your shame because you are attracting the very thing that you are putting your energy to and your focus. Instead, we should be looking at the cross. We should, be, we should be looking at Christ. We should be living a life of worship that says, Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God, I thank you that you forgive my iniquities. Lord, I thank you because of your grace. I am free. Lord, I realize I'm not perfect, but I thank you that you have forgiven me and you love me and you believe in me. Do you remember what, Jesus, what, what God the Father said over Jesus before his ministry? He was being baptized. He came up. The Spirit came down. The heavens opened up. A voice came forward that said, Jesus, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. He hadn't started his ministry yet. Hadn't preached a sermon yet. Hadn't healed the sick, but yet he heard the worthiness of his father speak over him like that. And because, 
Hang on, Bruce, I'm sorry. Because he was loved, he did great things. He was loved first. He was accepted first. He was declared worthy first. And you show me someone who believes in their worth through Christ Jesus and the cross, and I'll show you someone who is not living a life that is condemned, and they're doing good works. Why? Because their focus, their energy is on the cross and on Christ and on his grace that makes them worthy, and it's not on their shame. That would have been a good time to say amen, oh me, good preaching, Pastor Scott, say something. I'm just kidding. I know you're getting it. What are you focused on today? What are you looking at today? What are you thinking about today? The enemy would love to have you camp out and wallow in your shame. And as long as you focus on it, that's what you're going to do. You're going to bring it into your life. Poor me. Shameful me. Look what I did. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I'm never going to make it. God's never going to use me. And it goes on and on and on and on. And you can live your whole life being saved but not being free. You're going to get to heaven, but you're not experiencing heaven on earth. Oh, what a day that will be. Some of you are counting on to get to heaven and to, to, to start living a life of victory and abundant living. And God doesn't want you to wait to get to heaven. He wants you to start it now. And you start it now by not focusing on your shame. Oh, I'm starting to get worked up now. It's quarter till. We only got five more minutes here. Look at Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, in order to go forward, you got to go back. So let's look back at Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve sinned. They, they ate the fruit. They had a relationship with God, and they walked through the garden every single day. Can you imagine? Watch this. Can you imagine having an appointment with God every single day, walking in the cool of the day? Wow. Priceless. They sinned. And the Bible says they did what? They went to the woods and they made fig leaves to cover themselves. You want to know something really interesting? That word their fig leaf means armor. Armor. And guess what? We all have our armor. Some are suits. Some are dresses. Some are Casual outfits, money, popularity, fame, power, we all have our armor. Our fig leaves protect us. And what did Adam and Eve say? We were fearful and we hid. Come on, Shane. Come a little bit closer. Let's, let's make some armor for ourselves to protect ourselves and keep us safe. Living in fear and shame. That's what people do. But instead, we could tap in to grace that's available, mercy that's available, forgiveness that's available, worthiness that's, that's available. You hear, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. I believe in you. I don't condemn you. And you draw 
by faith the worthiness that God has declared over you today. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, doing good works so the world will see and glorify God your Father. Here's the Memorial Day message today for us today, church. You're camping out in two camps, shame or worthiness, the past or the future, lies or the truth. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to wallow in shame. I'm not going to wallow in my mistakes. I'm not going to wallow in my failures. I'm not going to wallow in my shortcomings. God's grace is available. And I'm going to tap into that and hear God say, you're worthy because of Christ. You're worthy because of the cross. You're worthy because of my blood. You're worthy because of who I said about you. And when you tap into that, you will draw it into your life. Hallelujah. Can you stand up across the auditorium? And Bruce, you, yeah, you take the noose off and, and, and go, let's, let's play a good grace song, Bruce. I'm going to relieve David of his shame and release him into a wonderful life with Michelle. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Thank him. Memorial Day weekend, 2022. What a great weekend to walk in a fresh revelation of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Beautiful weekend. Your sins are forgiven. The blood of Christ has cleansed you. We're not going to wallow and focus on our failures and our mistakes and what we could have done and should have done. No, we're going to just draw, run to the cross. See the beautiful grace and mercy that's available for us through Christ Jesus to live the kind of life that he wants us to live. It's made available today because of Christ. 